0: Authentic, like real, like not fake. You like fake people or real people? You like authentic people? Nah, the truth is only some of the time. Yeah, now we're telling the truth. Sometimes I like authentic people because authentic people are real and some real people just really get on my nerves. Well, good. May iron sharpen iron, amen? Amen. I love the set of worship this morning. It begin. To cause me to remember the exodus. He remembered to cause me the ministry that Moses had. You see, you think the ministry of Moses was simply what was given to him on the mountain in Ten Commandments and then given out to you. No, Moses' first and foremost ministry was the ministry of presence. What did he receive on a mountain? He saw the face of God. You know what that word face is in Hebrew? Parnim. You know what that means? Presence. Presence. Okay, hang on to that for a minute because we're going to begin there. And we're going to do a circular message and come back there. So turn with me in your Bibles to John 14.1 as we continue in a series called Authentic Discipleship. Today we're going to talk about the ministry of Presence. John 14, verse 1. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. This is Yeshua speaking. In my Father's house there are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. Somebody say, that's good news. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also might be where I am. I got to tell you a little secret. That's not for you to wait till heaven. Heaven's come down and you can have that now. You know the way to the place where I'm going. (laughs) Really? Thomas says, Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. But from now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip says, Lord, show us the Father and, well, that'll be enough for us. (laughs) Yeah, this sounds like authentic discipleship already. A bunch of questions with no answers and a bunch of doubt and everything else. Yeah. You see, I said you really... You don't know if you want authenticity. You think you want it, but I mean, that means you got to run together with somebody. And Jesus answered, Philip, don't you know me? Even after I've been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the father. Anyone who has seen me has seen the father. How can you say, show us the father? Don't you believe that I'm in the father, Philip? And that the Father's in me and the, well, I mean, the words I say to you, they're not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living where? In me. That's an interesting controversy because most can really understand that Jesus was in the Father, the Father was in him. But there seems to be a debate on your daily basis of whether he's in you. It is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father's in me, or at least, listen, if you can't believe that, believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. Okay, you mean feeding the poor and everything? No, every single thing. He will do even greater things than these. I mean, that must have been a hyperbole. Maybe he was just like kidding. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Jesus had no half-truth in him, saints. Because I am going to the Father, and I will do whatever you ask in my name. Man, your insecurity can't really receive that, can it? So that the Son may bring glory to the Father. So you may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Careful what you ask for. If you love me, you will obey my command. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor. Another one. To be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. Somebody say, really? Yeah. For he lives with you. And then he's going to be in you. Wow. Wow. I will not leave you orphans. Can you imagine the disciples look at him and say, I'm not an orphan. What are you talking about? Oh, yes, you are an orphan in spirit, at least. And many of you were here in this room, too, till you received the spirit of adoption, an actual tangible family on earth to actually solidify that truth in you. Because I live, you also will live. That's good news. On that day, you will realize that I am in the Father and you are in me and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by the Father and I too will love him and show myself to him. That's a mouthful. Thank you, Yeshua, John 14. Thank you, John, for writing that down. Saints, authentic discipleship is the ministry of presence. What do I mean? How many of you have been blessed by someone's presence when you were in trouble? Like another person, maybe a saint in the room, right? Maybe a good friend, maybe someone who was there when you doubted and they didn't. Ministry of presence. How about a time when you you needed to be bold or you needed to be fearless or you needed to be full of faith about something And one of your super confident friends that, let's be honest, they're irritating on most days. But on those days, you really love them. And they were around and just their presence caused you to be able to accomplish what otherwise you would have failed at. The ministry of presence. How about those times when when you were confused or you were hurt or you were lonely or you were afraid? Rightfully so, maybe. And your brother and sister in the Lord didn't sit there and give you a dissertation on why you shouldn't be that way, right? But just sat with you in the presence, right? Participated with you in long-suffering. And for some reason, you realized that God wasn't giving you the power to circumvent it. He was giving you the power to go through it. Because that friend... That brother, that sister, that loved one, whoever it might be, stood with you by your side in your trials. What did Jesus say about that to his friends? For those who stood with me in my trials, I confer on you a kingdom. Because you were present with me in my suffering. Saints, the ministry of presence is not just the ministry of presence that's given to you from heaven. It's the ministry that's given to you from heaven. And now you are called to give to someone else. But you can't give them that unless you are fully present. You know where we learn this? Authentic discipleship. Oh, I'm not talking about just a meet and greet we call church. I'm talking about running with a family of God, a brother and sister where you say that. And it's not just token Christianity. You actually mean it. You actually know what that means. It's not just an ideal like, I like when they talk about that. That makes me feel fuzzy. No, it's a reality to you. Saints, so the ministry of presence can do more in a moment than most can do in counseling for years and years. I've learned it personally. Thomas was with him for three and a half years and he still didn't get something. And Jesus right here, he's trying to give him something. Thomas. You doubt and you doubt and you doubt. Three and a half years, have you not seen the Father in me? He is present in me. And I want you to go from, from doubting that to receiving that so that you can become just like me. In John 16, John goes on to say, it, Yeshua says, it's better for you that I go. Hey, anybody honest in here this morning? In my corner mind, I cannot fathom an atmosphere where it's better that if Yeshua was standing right here with me right now, right? My enemies are approaching, the bulls of Bashan are surrounding me, and all of a sudden he's like, hey, I'm going to leave you alone. And it's going to be better for you. Uh, What? Until I realize that I'm as cynical as Thomas. Until I realize that I'm a little bit like Philip. Until I realize that he knows what he's doing. And if he goes, what's better than him being beside me than him being in me? Saints, I can show you how to overcome a thing. But it's better if I'm with you when you overcome it. Come on, somebody. Jen and I have been in the kingdom for over two decades. Most of our biggest moves, the majority, nine out of ten of our biggest moves in life, like life-changing direction moves, has been when we got a glimpse of his face. A glimpse of his presence. A little unction. Old-timers used to say, your unction is not your own any longer in the kingdom. A little nudge. I I think that's you, Lord. Good, then couple it with faith and let's see. And faith breaks open the way. Come on. You weren't, you weren't, you, we were not given the infilling and the gift of the Holy Spirit, which one includes the gift of faith, not to utilize it. You were given it to practice it and let it teach you what happens when you do it. Doers of the word, not simply hearers of the word. Amen. John 16, 7 is what he said. But I tell you the truth. It is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come. That is the parakletos. The counselor. The literal definition for that is the comforter. Some translations say the encouragers. One that exhorts. In the, Greeks, in the Greek, the Greek writers wrote it was used of legal at, um, of a legal adversary, a pleader, a proxy, an advocate, one who comes forward in behalf of and a representative of another. This is why 1 John 2, one says Christ is termed as a substitutionary or intercessory uh, advocate for us. We get that, don't we? A bunch of fancy words to say, hey, he's for us. Christ designates his Holy Spirit's Holy Spirit as a paraclete in John's 14, 16, when he says another, we read it, another in Greek, that's alos, another paracletos, comforter, counselor, spirit. You know why this is important and why I'm telling you this? Because it's another of equal value to. Jesus was not leaving them with loss. He was paving the way that they might receive what they already had. So that he might be able to do what was necessary. That you might also be able to be empowered to do what was necessary at the same time. (laughs) Good news. Mm. So apparently there is equal value of that of Yeshua in every single spirit-filled Christian in this room. Come on, somebody. What about your bad day? What about the day when you don't look at yourself as valuable? That's a lie, saints. The word literally says you are the righteousness of Christ. The same value as that of Jesus. Remember that on the day that you don't believe that. Because the word is true whether you believe it or not. If that is true, then how important is the ministry of presence that you carry in my life? Some of you got good words all the time. I envision you carrying around a basket when Jesus is passing out bread. You got bread all day long, full, full, but you never give me any. Stingy. If you got a good word, give it. And if you're worried about not getting another one, watch. That's how you get another. You give it away. Maybe some of you are not so much like Thomas that doubts what you plainly see. But are more like Philip that just can't see what is plainly in front of you? Which one are you, saints? John fourteen eight. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know, Philip, even after I have been with you for such a long time? Anyone who has seen the Father has seen me. So how can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I'm in the Father and the Father's in me? The words that I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing the work in me. Believe me when I say that I'm in the Father and the Father's in me, or at least believe in the evidence of the miracles themselves. Saints, the underlying mistrust isn't always the problem. That's a Thomas. Anybody got those issues in here? Anybody got some Thomas issues in here? A little bit of underlying distrust. I'm a little bit cynical most of the time. Hello, thanks, I got some honest Christians in this place finally. That underlying cynical mistrust isn't always the problem, unbelief is. Verse 9, Jesus answered, Don't you know, Philip, even after I've been with you such a long time? Saints, even Yeshua's closest disciples had to overcome their disbelief or their unbelief. That they didn't even realize that they possessed. This is why repentance, teshuvah, is such a good practice for you. It's not an ugly word, hello? It's a beautiful practice. Lord, where am I not hitting the mark today? Where can I see more of your glory? Where can I go from glory to glory? Right? Not woe is me, he's going to spank me if I... No, turn around face your father. That's what, that's what repentance is. It's beautiful. You should do it sometime. Saints, you see, Thomas and Philip knew all about the power of proximity that we talked about last week. But the ministry of presence is the product of proximity. Philip did not know what he was about to know until Yeshua put perceived distance in between their close proximity. Nobody wants to do that, do we? Somebody told me this week, hey, listen, absence makes the heart grow fonder. Okay, yeah, I can see that. True. Isn't that a statement that exposes your value system? Isn't that a statement that exposes your value system? What you are really saying is that at times the gratitude in my heart for something or someone diminishes and a little time away just kind of revives it. It's true. It's true. Like, be real with yourself. Hello, authentic discipleship actually tells you the truth about you. You want me to pamper you? i to sugarcoat this? Give you something sweet? No, I'm going to give you something you need. Amen? Saints, if that can be true about you for the closest people in your life, then it can be true for you about your Father in heaven, can't it? as well as his son. And I believe that is why Yeshua says it will be better for you that I go away so that I can do what is necessary for my father's presence to not just abide in me, but rather dwell in each and every single person that will have me. That makes you a powerhouse. Let me help you out here. Because a lack of presence can make us dull. But the presence of presence illuminates. Amen? Let me help you if you might be dull in this place this morning. John fourteen 9. I'm going to reread it. Michael answered, Don't you know me? Where's Joshua at? Don't you know me, Joshua? Even after... You have been among my life so long. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father's in me? The words I say to you are just, they're not my own. I get them from the Father's word and from interaction with him. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing the work. Believe in me when I say that I'm in the Father because of Yeshua and the Father's in me. And if my failures or my weaknesses distort his image, at least believe in the evidence of the miracles, the fruit of my life and the outcome of my faith, because no longer do I live, but Yeshua lives through me. Hello. Isn't it good for relevant translation? That's my version. Give me some grace this morning. So follow me as I follow Yeshua. Well, that's some dangerous words today. You know why? Because we don't trust people. And people fail us. They break us. They hurt us. They wound us. So what do we want to do? Stop doing the word. We don't do it on our own, in our own American individualistic spirit, but not in the spirit of the Holy Spirit that says you should be immersed into the body like as though you were over your head in People. Saints, authentic discipleship sharpens your ministry of presence. Can we get a prophetic word in here? Amen. Yeshua took you in to be with him where he is and said, follow me. Amen. Amen. Yeshua bound his death with your death that you might bind and find your life with his life. So that the power of proximity that you have been, that has that you have between you might cause the ministry of presence in you to become powerful and effective. How many of you know that promise is not the reality? It's the promise. But with the power of the Holy Spirit and the presence of God, it can become reality. And all this is cultivated, watch this, inside the body of Christ. I'm talking to a region of people who have been displaced in the local body. I'm talking to a region of people who would rather YouTube at home some sermon call virtual intimacy God and be fulfilled that they call that actually hanging out with the saints. Do not get roped in the virtual intimacy in no place, no time, and no way. It will do you no good and will not get you to the presence of God. I think it's been said. The best sermons are walked out, not preached out. Amen. Yeah. Well, where do you actually see those sermons at? (laughs) Yeah. In the body of Christ. Where are you able to see the words of God actually walked out? In your local family of believers. If you plus God equals one, or you plus your spouse still equals one, or you plus your spouse and God still equals one biblically, that does not make you running with another. You're still one. That makes you an individual, a long ranger. And able to be secluded, put in the corner, picked off and beat the hell up by the devil. That's what he does to that. You know why people don't actually love authentic discipleship? Because it hurts. Because you got to love somebody that's not lovable. Mm. So you can adequately explain the entire gospel. Is that anybody in this room? Like, my greatest mission is that I can adequately explain the gospel. (laughs) Praise God. Right? But nobody actually enjoys your presence when you're around. Hello? But you've been given the ministry of presence. So you can adequately explain the gospel, but nobody enjoys your presence. Right? So their door remains locked. You ever get that? Okay. You can sing like an angel, but if someone knows... That how you live in private is not what you declare in public. Guess what? Your gospel stops with you. First Corinthians says something about you. You're just a gong, a clinging symbol. Ah, okay. John 13, 1. It was just before Passover feast. Yeshua knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and to go to the Father. And having loved his own who were in the world, watch this, he taught them the full extent of his love. (laughs) Nope, that's not what it says. He showed them the full extent of his love. Saints, Yeshua could come. He could have come as a full grown man, could he have not? He can do what he wants when he wants. He could have come as a 33-year-old full-grown man and did what he would have to do to reconcile you to the Father, but he didn't. Why? Because he came to model for you what a life at one with the Father looks like. For 33 years, you got a 3D YouTube version of what your Bible is talking about. There's something to be said about the pre-cross Yeshua, saints. He came in weakness, Luke 2 says, when he was born as a vulnerable baby. He grew in knowledge and understanding, Luke 2, 52 says, right, as a child. He learned to do only what his father was doing, John says, in chapter 5, verse 19. He laid down his life. They didn't take it. He laid down his life. For the Father's will in John ten eighteen, in order to position himself for the promise of resurrection, first Corinthians fifteen says. So that you might get a model of what your life should look like. <laughs> Come on. You position for the resurrection? You gotta get crucified first. Man has hope in crucifixion. Praise the Lord. Saints, that is, this is What the ministry of presence looks like for the son of man. When he came, when the word was made flesh and he tabernacled among you for 33 years. This is what it looked like for the son of man. So why should it look any different for you? Because he modeled Messiah for you. That Messiah might be corporate right here in our generation. I don't know about that corporate anointing. Saints, the latter part of the verse in John 13, 1 is translated, the full extent of his. In Greek, that is a, uh, that is a, um, a phrase called estelios. Estelios. Somebody say that. Good, because I didn't just get it wrong. We all did. It means to set out for a definite point goal. You know what this means? His teaching had a point. What was the point of his teaching? It wasn't a transfer of information. It was a transfer of impact. It wasn't a transfer of information. It was a demonstration that came through information that you actually might walk out what he's saying. So if you read instructions to a little toy this whatever Christmas or whoever does that stuff, right? And you're like, I'm going to put this together. And then once it's done, do you actually like... Utilize the toy that you put together. Or you just stop at reading instructions and like, man, it's a great idea. <laughs> no, there was a goal of the information given, and this is what it says: the full extent was that not that he was just so passionate that he washed their feet, not that he was just finally so his passion was done, so he go get on the cross. No, the full extent, thirty-three years, the full extent of everything that he taught was now about to be demonstrated for them and had been demonstrated for them that they too might do what he had done. Saints, the reason that some of you here have yet to hit your God-given potential is because this is the first time that you've ever walked into a place called a church with the goal not not just to gather you, but to grow you. To mature you instead of massage your ego or pacify your cornal nature just to get you to stay. Man, there's plenty of places for that. <clears throat> Saints, whenever that happens, you are not being biblically loved. You're being cornally hated. Somebody's not loving on you because they're withholding the goods that they got from heaven and putting in their pocket because they just want to hang on to it till heaven, right? So that they might just survive instead of thrive. And they're realizing, why am I so dormant? Because you got a storehouse full of gold and you ain't giving it to nobody. That is not what Yeshua did. He gave everything, every time. That is a curse of low expectations and we're not going to do that to you. Amen? Amen. That's a curse of low expectations from people with good motives. How many of you know, right, the road road to hell is paved with good motives? Okay. Saints, you are representatives of Yeshua right here on earth. You're like, I heard that a thousand times, but do you live like it? Filled with his Holy Spirit, in love with his words, that is who you are. And you are called to give all just like he gave all, to receive all so that you might give all. And every single thing you have doesn't belong to you. It belongs to them. Yeah. Colossians says that you are the hope of glory. Look at your neighbor and say, you're the hope of glory. I knew it. You can tell them that too. I knew it. You are the hope of glory because you're a hope in my life. Amen. Colossians says that you're the hope of glory filled with the Holy Spirit and the love for the word. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the only expression that Yeshua ever put on you was to express his full image. We were singing it. Show me your face, Lord. Why? So that I might express it. This is what was happening on the mountain. Show me your face, Lord. Why? So that I can show them your face, Lord. Come on. The ministry of presence. The ministry of his face. Ephesians 4, 7 says, but to each one of us, grace has been given. And Christ apportioned it. This is why he says when he ascended, he took many captives. Hallelujah. Left hell empty. Amen. Left those waiting on him. Le- left the righteous dead who were sleeping now or led in captivity. Captive with him on his train to the heavens and now are seated in heavenly places with him. Praise God. Amen. When he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. Because <laughs> the giver is good. Amen. What does He ascend it mean? That He also descended to the lower regions. He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than the heavens in order to fill the entire cosmos with Himself. So Messiah Yeshua Himself gave us apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers so that we can be impressed by them? No! <laughs> to equip you To equip you, to equip you, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Messiah may be built up until all reach the unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. Can't stay on milk all day long, saints. Got to get that beat. Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Do you think your Bible promises you something you can't obtain? No, and it just said that you can attain the fullness of Messiah. Come on, somebody, that's good news. That's real good news for somebody who walked in here empty this morning. You should expect to walk out full. Then we will no longer be infants. It's like if you're full, you're heavy, so you're planted, right, and the wind can't move you. But if you don't feast upon his face, then you're so lightweight that the wind comes and you just blow every single way. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves or blown here and there by every wind of teaching. I like that one today. Didn't like it last week. Okay, guess I'll move on. I'm a little bit nomadic, never rooted. So I'll never become a. Oak of righteousness, because oaks of righteousness, I don't see flying around the planet. (laughs) Just saying that's the Wizard of Oz. That's weird. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching by the cunning and craftiness of the devil. No, people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking truth and love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head. That is Messiah Yeshua. Y'all call him Jesus. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love. What? There's a time, right, that he holds you by the hand. There's another time where you're holding each other by the hand. As each part actually does its work. There's no individualistic in the kingdom, but there is uniqueness. And that's every single one of you. And we're uniquely fit and knit together. That's what your Bible teaches. Saints John 13:1. Yeshua knew that his time for the exodus from this earth was upon him. And in one... Of the last teaching moments, he did something very special here. He showed them the physical, memorable, and impacting way of what the gold, estelios, of his teaching and way of life was. What was the goal? He was lavishing something upon his Talmudim, his disciples, that they would not only never forget, but also imitate forever. He was modeling a manner of life for them. And it took him 33 years to do it. How long do you expect your ministry of presence to make impact? For however long it takes. However long it takes. That's the love of God. I'm not in this for six months. Discipleship is not a program. Hello. I'm like, well, three and a half years. I guess that's good. And you're gone. No. Hello. However long it takes. For you to reach the full extent of your potential is how long we sign up for. That's going to take something authentic. Not systematic. You got to get real with somebody. You okay with that? Some of you are. Saint Yeshua exchanged information, but his goal was always transformation. I said he exchanged information because that is helpful, but his goal was always transformation, and that came from demonstration. Hello? That could only be had through being fully present, watch this, in someone's life and to someone's life, in someone's life and to someone's life. You want to feel close, we said last week? You got to be close. And that is what Yeshua expected from those that he called... And they called themselves disciples. Wow, we just really narrowed down the group, didn't we? I didn't do it, he did. 2 Corinthians 3, 17. Now the Spirit of the Lord, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's what? Oh, there's what? We love some freedom, don't we? And we who with unveiled faces reflect the Lord's glory. Man, I can see him shining on many of you this morning. Are being transformed into his likeness. Predestination there for you. You are predetermined, every single one of you. Prophesy your destiny. What's your destiny? His likeness. Hello? With ever increasing glory. What? That means I'm not what I once was, but I'm not what I'm gonna be. I'm not impressive to you. Good. Show up in five years. Maybe I will be. And at that point, hey, I'm still growing. Increasing in my glory. Oh, I'm sorry, his glory. Which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Saints, most of you have grown up and been taught from your leaders to do what they say, not do what they do. What, they, they don't say it, they just say it. How many of you have been at the dinner table with your pastor before? Yeah, that's the reality of the kingdom. It should be. But that's not the reality for the entire kingdom. Well, we'll get there. Most of you have grown up and been taught from your leaders to do what they say, not do what they do. Saints, a Christianity that is transference of information. That you, this is a Christianity that's a transference of information and that you hope for impact. That doesn't work. I'm not a professor. You're not students that simply hear a word. The word in your Bible for hear Shema literally means hear with the intention of carrying out. So if you're not here with the intention of carrying out, you're not actually present. Jesus taught to do what I do. Because his ministry was to minister his presence. Not transfer simple information. That's why he literally, the word literally came from heaven to earth. That's when it went from information from heaven to demonstration on the earth. <laughs> Come on, saints. Jen and I, I told you, have been in the kingdom for over 20 years. Uh, I've learned something from just traveling in the kingdom. The Holy Spirit does more can do more in a moment than you can do in in hours of debate. He can do in one moment more than you can do in hours or days of ministry. Oh, y'all not hear me. Fifteen years of prison ministry, seven years of homeless ministry, seven years of of street preaching, twenty years in the kingdom. And I've learned something that I can give you right now. You don't have to go 20 years again. Your ministry of presence can do more in a moment than you can do for 10 years of simply having a debate, transferring an information of, hey, this is what I know. Okay, good. But when you show up, when you're with somebody, when you're simply there, your presence has power. Saints, the word of God spoken brings those under your voice in alignment with the Holy Spirit. Are, are, you, are you following me this morning? And at that moment, you're now the living demonstration of the word manifest in someone's life who is lost or doubting or blind or wicked. You're standing right in front of them and you're the, the word of God manifests in the moment. Because you're a carrier, a host of His presence. His word is now hidden in you. You're the vehicle standing in front of them. You know why this is good news? You don't have to try harder. You just got to show up. Amen. You don't have to be a professor. You can just show up. Amen. John five thirty six. I have testimony weightier than that of John. Man. When information goes to demonstration, then that information now becomes transformation, and that transformation becomes a testimony, and you're carrying that. Hmm. For the works that the Father has given me to finish, the very works that I am doing testify that the Father has sent me. (laughs) What are you measuring and judging each other by? Your ability to perform for each other? You're looking at the wrong thing because you're looking at the wrong man. And the Father who sent me has Himself testified concerning me. Man, that's good news for me, you know why? Because on some days, I'm not really all that. But He seems to have favor on my life for some reason, and that's His choice. And the Father who sent me has Himself testified concerning me. You have never heard His voice, nor have seen Him. Nor does His word dwell in you, for you do not believe Him. The one who sent me. Watch this. You study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. Mm-mm. These are the very scriptures that testify about me. Yet you refuse to come to me and have life. Wow. Saint Yeshua is not an intellectual saint. He's not something you can study for four years, get a doctor, check and go, hey, I'm good. Now I'm a I'm U.S. grade stamped. Christian, it doesn't work that way. You might live in Texas, but you're not cattle, you're sheep. Saints, in those moments, you are in the very shoes of Yeshua that he left on the planet. He's like a it, but his sandals didn't. Why? I'm like, <clears throat> if he did, I'm looking at his sandals and going, I wonder I'm going to pick them up and keep them for a relic. Worship them. Pre- no, no, I'm going to step into them. Hello. I'm going to step into him. He said it. Sure about what the dang. He meant it. Yeah, he meant it. In those moments, you are the very representative of Yeshua there in front of anyone who is in your atmosphere. You become the sent one. Hello. You become the sent ones. The Messiah, corporately the body. That's why they called him little, little Christ, because they're out running around just acting like Yeshua. Hmm. The model of the perfect reality. I said the model of the perfect reality. Not the reality itself, the model of the perfect reality. Somebody needs to get that. Saints, the one who has taken you in to follow him, the one who, has bow, who you have bound yourself to, the one who has lavished himself on you because of your proximity, the one who has set a model for you to learn from has now indwelled you and filled you with his presence. Saints, in that moment, people may know more about the word of God than you do. You ever been there? Anybody ever stepped out and actually shared their faith in public Right? The people who know the word more than I ever did was demon-possessed people. Hello? Every time I come around them, every time I'm, I'm, I'm now, right, we're ministering on the street, doing, just sharing our faith, and all of a sudden, like a magnet, just special individuals show up to add their self to our conversation, and all of a sudden, they got the entire Bible memorized and not even walking it out one bit in their life. They can say everything that's right and everything about their life is rotten fruit. Demonic all day long. You know where you learn that? By being discipled and actually going along with somebody, right? Like getting out and doing this together with somebody. You know why? Because when that happens, you need somebody to pick them off so you can continue to minister to what matters. Mm. Y'all getting fed this morning? Come on. Yeah. How does a spiritual blind person see anything? (laughs) They don't. Hello? They need to experience the model standing in front of them before they can see the reality of the one who's actually drawing them. Are you getting this this morning? Right? It is a grace to lost humanity that the body of Christ is filled with the very image and expression of God. It is a grace and a mercy that you show up in a situation when somebody doesn't know the truth. You know why? Because they don't believe. But you know what they do believe? They believe you standing right in front of them. And they're trying to get a finger in Like I don't understand. You're weird. You're something. You're, I'm drawn to you. I don't like you, but I love you and I can't really get it. Yeah, Peter called us peculiar. So we get a word for that. That's us. I don't know what to do with you, but I need you in my life. At least on the days when I'm mostly broken. That's when I invite you in my life. The other days when I feel like I'm victorious and doing all that. Now, anyway. Okay. Mm. This is what Jesus did. Hello. For 33 years, Yeshua showed humanity a tangible image of the Father. A tangible image of the father before any of them were actually filled with the spirit, including his disciples. Thomas and Philip were going, I get it. We're following you. We're all in. Yet they were still missing something. Yeah, they had the light shining in front of them, but something changed when the light started to shine from within. That's undeniable. That's how I I got. I got saved from something outside speaking to me. I got sanctified from something daily speaking in t- inside of me. Why are you still in the clubs? I don't know. That's what I do. That's not what we do. Okay, cool. Why are you still selling dope? Oh, that's what I do. No, that's not what we do. Oh, okay. <laughs> that doesn't satisfy you any longer. That's true. I don't know why. Dang. Okay. Thanks. Hello. illumination causes demonstration to be a manifestation for you right here. Isn't that good for you? How about it? How about you just go do this alone? Watch some YouTube, hang out, go, man, get that fuzzy little teaching. Makes me excited, right? And then like show up every now and then for your local body. Mm -mm, That's right. Hmm. Saints, it's like sin, cynicism, and unbelief make you dull and blind. And not be able to see God when He is clearly at work right in. Front of you. Father's at work in me. Can you see it? You know who you got to go through to see it? Me. I don't know if that's good news for you. Depends on the day. But nevertheless, at the end of the day, it's good news for you. So he sends you something you can see until you can learn to trust the one you can't see. Thank Thank you, Lord is right. Since so I'm talking to those who, who are ever seeing and never finding. You ever find those people? Man, I, I found this over here. I'm on this journey, right? I'm just like, I'm always just seeking the Lord, seeking the Lord. Man, I'm just going deep in here. floating over here. I'm nomadic and all. Yeah. Okay, Cain. But you never find him. Yeshua came that you might actually find him. And if you find him far off because you think he's in the heavens, it's because you're overlooking him because he's right here. Isaiah talked about you people. But anyway, Colossians 124. Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you. Watch this. And I fill up in my flesh what is lacking in regard to to Christ's affliction I thought it was done at the cross oh absolutely it was done at the cross you know what was done your justification that makes you the righteousness of Christ amen, amen. but what is not done they're not saved they're not sanctified they're, they're not set apart there is still work to be done it's gonna cost you suffering on this planet and he's worthy but he left work for you to do on purpose You're not those kind of children, that adults, that grew up as children in a house where everything was kind of fed to you, given to you, and set you know, out for you, were you? Nah. Nah, you're those adjacts to work for, work for something. Yeah, you didn't, get work to, you, you didn't have to work to be saved, but you were saved to be put to work. And there's a harvest in this land, amen? Yeah. Yeshua took his impact to expression and then ascended and left his undone work up to you. There's things undone in the kingdom right now that are up to you, saints. You want that responsibility? Oh, you need that responsibility. You know why? Because it's weights that put on your shoulders that causes you to know who you are. Don't think for one minute that once you were saved, the work was done. Just got started. Amen? Do not think that the work that the church is doing is just for the lost world. It's not just for the lost saints. That would make you have dated Jesus on a one-night stand. Wouldn't make him your husband. Hello? No, you married him, then you got to work learning to love and establishing covenants so others might see your expression. You know what that means? You know what the pastors and I understand? Sermon prepping is not just for you. It's for us. It's not just for you. It's for us. Weekly evangelism. You evangelize weekly in here, raise your hand. Weekly evangelism is not is is just as much for you as it is for them. Have you learned that yet? Yes. Right, ministry one out of the ninety nine. Hello, yeah, I knew that the day we commissioned you to go out, because you needed it for your discipleship. You know what I learned? You know where I learned that from? The the years and years and seventeen years that I spent in prison ministering. I went in prison for seventeen years. In went to the prison for seventeen years ministering after a while I figured oh this is for me not for them but you know the truth is it was for me and for them so is sermon prep when we're prepping for you it is sharpening and shaping us when you evangelize it is for them but first and foremost for you why because learning to be faithful until there is fruit will serve you for the rest of your life I said learning to be faithful when you don't see fruit will serve you the rest of your life. You ever go out in this field right here and try to plant something? You got to put a seed in the ground. That seed has to be okay with obscurity. Then it has to be good with waiting for the rain. Then it has to be good with the ground being broken so that it might come forth. Then it has to be good with growing for a little while until it becomes mature. And then it's got to be good with giving all its fruit away. Having to be married for years without babies. Anyone in here with that? How about a few miscarriages? Yeah. It teaches you how to worship in the waiting. It teaches you how to worship in the waiting. And you cannot buy that on this planet. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Somebody had a miscarriage, say, thank you, Lord. Somebody who's waiting on babies, say, thank you, Lord. I worship in the waiting. Saints, you are the actual body of Christ. Messiah Yeshua is the head. And you are filled with supernatural presence to carry out what is undone. That literally makes you a supermodel. Look at your neighbor and say, I knew it. John 13:12. When Yeshua had finished washing their feet. He put on the clothes and returned to the place, to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? (laughs) Is that a loaded word? (laughs) For you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Yeshua had no problem with knowing who he was. Do you? I have set you an example. I have set you an example. That you should do as I have done for you. And Saints He's not just talking about washing feet. I tell you the truth: no servant is greater than his master, nor is the messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed. You will be happy if you do them. Some of you depressed? Hello, do the word. You want to be happy? Blessed means happy. Happy means blessed. Hello, do the word. It's that simple. You're doing the word and you're unhappy about it. Repent. Do the word and be happy about doing the word. (laughs) James, the disciple of Jesus, takes Yeshua's words to heart when he says in James 1.22, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. The house that I was born of says, uh, let's talk more walk. Come on. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in the mirror. At his own presence in the mirror. And after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets <laughs> what he looks like. Dang. Dull. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law and gives freedom and continues to do this. Not. Not forgetting what he has heard but doing it he will be blessed if he does it saints this is amazing coming from the brother of Yeshua his actual physical brother you know why your brothers are usually the first ones to give a rebuttal aren't they the first ones with better ideas the last ones to listen to what Yeshua said but now James is quoting it verbatim (laughs) Let what Yeshua taught us finish its work and hit its goal, James is saying. Where do you think he learned that from? Probably a whole lot of not listening and a whole lot of thinking he had a whole lot better way. Until he came to realize he got Yeshua got it right the first time. Know where you learned this from? Following someone in authentic discipleship. What would have happened if those that encountered James after Yeshua gave James the command in Matthew 28 to go and make disciples? What would happen if those that encountered James after Yeshua gave James the command in Matthew 28 to go and make disciples told James, Listen, I I understand what you're saying, but you're not fit to disciple me. Only Jesus can. What would have happened? Then the ministry of presence that James received from Yeshua would have ended with James. And you, my friends, would not be here. Saints, the ministry of presence that was imparted to James would have ended with James. (laughs) No, James was equipped, wasn't he? But James was equipped by Yeshua with Yeshua. James was equipped by Yeshua with Yeshua to make more like Yeshua hello all James had to do was learn to be fully present if you lived in the first century during the ministry of Yeshua oh by the way which was strategically planted from the heavens to pick a certain time in history you know that he would have been a rabbi and his disciples would have been his Talmudim. You know that, right? Amen? Yeah. Like an electrician in the process of a journeyman becoming an actual master electrician. Any of those guys in here in the Morgans here? Right? Rabbi, disciple, master electrician, journeyman, electrician. Both of them trying to accomplish the same things. One master at it. The other doing it but not mastering it. Or like a 10-year-old mother taking a one-year, one-year mother, a 10-year-old mother, a 10 year mother, <laughs> yeah, that's weird. Taking a one-year mother, showing them the ropes, you get it? Yeah. This is what authentic discipleship in its purest form looks like. As the master disciple, Yeshua set an example to be imitated by his Talmudim, by his disciples. Saints, when a rabbi was done with his disciple, either of them could be present and the same outcome would be the result. Hello? Either of them. Yeshua could be present. Peter could be present. And Yeshua knew that if he empowered him with his presence... That before long, when Peter was there, the same outcome would be as when Yeshua himself was there. What's that mean for you? Oh, it means that when you read your Bible and see what Jesus actually did, when you see what Yeshua actually accomplished, he actually meant what he said when you would do even greater things. Why? Because he's with you. There's more of you. You're here on this planet longer. I mean, you can add up that math however you want. Like Yeshua being in the heavens, but people still being saved, filled with the Holy Ghost and demons being cast out. This is what I'm talking about. Yeshua is not present on the earth. He's present in the heaven, but his presence is in you. So for those who are actually authentically discipled, what happens if he was here now still happens because you're here. Are you following me? Acts five twelve says this: The apostles performed many miracles. Who had done that before? <laughs> Yeshua and wonders among the people. And all the believers used to meet together at Solomon's Colonnade. No one else dared join them. <laughs> Crazy people, even though they were highly regarded by the people. They're like, oh, we y'all are awesome. But mm-mm. well, you missed out on awesome. Okay. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. As a result, people brought back their sick into the street and laid them on the beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by evil spirits, and all of them were healed. And Jesus, Yeshua, was not there, but Peter was. (laughs) Saints, it is true. The body of Christ is a shadow of the reality of Yeshua. You are a shadow of the reality of Yeshua. But if Peter's shadow can heal people, why can't Yeshua's shadow do the same? Are y'all not hearing me this morning? We attribute great things to great people that we magnified in our minds and Yeshua is most definitely the greatest over all. But what about Peter? How many of us have been him? But what in a few days after he rejected the Son of God, that the Son of God showed up in front of him and handed him the keys of the kingdom and said, hey, set this up. At the gates of hell and it will not prevail. Come on somebody. If Peter's shadow can heal people why can't you? You can. Saints in the Western church we know nothing about this. There's a prolific problem in the church world. Most Western believers confer on themselves profound blessings for understanding a principle about the word. But principles without power are deadly. Hello? Principles without power are deadly because they pacify your personal spiritual growth. You think you're good when you just set us satisfied with less than what Yeshua purchased for you. Don't do that. The process of authentic discipleship only conveys a blessing if the actual model demonstrated to them is being imitated in a real and a present way. Hello. That's why our home is wide open. Not because we burned it down. Because we had already opened the doors and some of you burned it down. That is why we have an open door policy in our life. Because we're 27, 24-7 Christians, not Sunday Christians. The greatest hindrance to revival. Hello. So that you might get an expression of somebody simply walking out their faith. Being on display for you to see our progress. To watch me get up when I fall. To watch me succeed. To watch Yeshua come through for me when I don't get it right. You need to see that. You need to be there for that. You need to be present. Hello? Hmm. Saints, obtaining a a scriptural understanding of the process of being baptized in the Holy Ghost is necessary and good, right? Did I say that too fast for you? Obtaining a theological understanding of being baptized in the Holy Ghost is great. Where's Jake at? He got the most phenomenal questions you can ever have, right? I shut him down most of the time, not because I don't love him. I love him. I shut him down because I do love him. Because too much information will be an overload when you simply need to demonstrate and to see what happens and you just need to participate and show up so that when someone needs to be filled with the Holy Ghost and you see me pray for someone all of a sudden you watched me watching me was better than me telling you how which one's better oh you know which one's better show me amen come on Ashley don't tell me show me kingdom is a shop class Obtaining a scriptural understanding of the process of being baptized in the Holy Ghost is necessary and good. However, if you have never experienced that process of being implemented in your life of another, how valuable would it be to have a master disciple maker demonstrate getting some, someone filled with the Holy Ghost right in front of you? How helpful would that be? You know what men want to do when they figure out that they can actually move into gifts? They want to just make you just create a little mystery so they don't know how you got there so that you can never do that, so that you can keep them on the platform of your magnification in your mind. Man, they must be special. They must be elite in the kingdom. What? There's no elitism in the king. You want to be elite? Be a slave of all. So then the scriptural understanding is good and necessary, but you have an example as a practical model, and that's better. Man, we get in so much trouble in this land for that. <laughs> uh, well, you have no authority to tell people what to do. No, unless you give it to me. And when I have your best intention in mind, we will better, both be better for it. Okay. Saints, having a six-passage scripture from your Bible about what it means to be a father's good, but having a fatherly figure in your life in the kingdom to show you what it looks like to actually do it is better. Authentic discipleship. Having a place to gather and learn to worship Yeshua when everybody around you wants to steal that from you, take that from you, and take that freedom from you. You can hear about it on the Charisma News all day long, but it is better if you show up to a place that's going through it and they actually show you how to do it. That's better. Oh, that's better. 1 Corinthians 12, 27. For now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in his church, first of all, prophets, second, I'm sorry, apostles, prophets, third teachers, uh, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Verse 31, now. I want you to eagerly desire these gifts. He's like, does everybody do it? Well, everybody doesn't do it because they don't put it into practice. That's why. Not because there's some elite Christian that gets another gift that you don't get. No. That's human error, not divine error. He's giving you all things. You got 100% of the Holy Ghost just like I do. He didn't give me 80 and you 20. We all got everything. And yet now I will show you the most excellent way. Man, you can be operating in every single gift of the Spirit, but if you're going show anybody how to do it, then it's lost on you. Saints, how many of you would like someone to demonstrate to you what it actually looks like to prophesy? Oh, come on. How about heal someone? How would you like to be there when I prayed with someone and their tumor fell off? Y'all have heard the story many times, but it would have been better if you were there, Right? What about having faith in raising the dead? How many of you would like someone to demonstrate to you what that looks like? How about planting a church? How about preparing for ministry? Right? How about being able to learn the deep things of your actual Bible? How many would love for someone to show you how to do that? How about how how about how to have a vibrant marriage? How about how to stay pure till marriage? How about how to overcome despair? How about how to repent when you fail? How about to have courage in the midst of opposition? How would you like to have someone there when you need joy, when misinformation is being spread about you? How many of you would like someone to demonstrate to you what it looks like to walk through slander or persecution in this land? Wouldn't that be better? Saints, what good does it do for you to raise the dead if you can't elevate your marriage? What good does it do for you to heal the sick if you won't let Yeshua heal your heart? What good does it do to succeed in casting out demons if you can't turn off the porn? You were made for more than this. You were made to shine. Arise. Shine. Arise. Arise. Shine, arise, shine, and the glory of the Lord will shine upon you. You need the presence of my ministry just like I need the presence of your ministry. Hmm. Where do you think we get this experience from? (laughs) It's not your Sunday Christianity. Maybe we ought to call it churchianity, whatever. You don't get that from here. It's in a family of people who are sold out to the ministry of presence by the ministry of presence. I'm going to turn the table here. Luke 6, 40. A Talmud or a disciple is not above his rabbi or teacher, but each one, when he is fully trained, will be just like him. (laughs) Oh, Yeshua said that. Saints, in the kingdom, you are not trained by His presence, you are trained inside of His presence." I said, "You are not trained by His presence. You are trained inside of His presence, and his presence was poured out on his body. In the world, you go to a gym to train your flesh, right? this <laughs> mean? like not me, whatever. Not, not the last couple months. In the world, you go to a gym to train your flesh, but in the kingdom, you go to your local family of God to train your spirit man, to sharpen your spirit man, to offend your spirit man, to encourage your spirit man, to edify and build up your spirit man. If you feel weak in the spirit, you just got to show up. Isn't that half the effort they say at the gym? Half the effort is just to show up? And when you are fully trained... You will be like Yeshua. That's what the Scripture's telling you. Are you with me this morning? Says That means that your goal should be the same goal as the Bible has for you. To look like Yeshua. To think like Yeshua. And to have the same presence in the room as if Yeshua walked in the room. Do you have a low expectation for yourself? Do you say that's good for someone else but not for me? Oh, you say, Pastor, you're going to to raise a bunch of arrogant people. No, I'm not. I'm going to raise a confident people. You know where he learned that from? Proximity with his body. The product of proximity is presence. That's what we said last week, right? And your ministry to me is no more powerful than your availability to his presence that you allow in my life. Anybody got walls in here? Talking to you. I believe that Yeshua was trying to convey at his last Passover that we read in John, he was trying to convey this. What good does it do for me to transform you into someone who hosts my presence if you are not going to do for them exactly what I have done for you? And then he goes on to say, oh, you're not orphans. Again, one amen in the house. You're not orphans. That makes you sons. Bar, Ben in Hebrew, those who do what their father does. And my presence inside of you proves that. But doubting Thomas, I mean, you're going to have to find that out. You know how you're going to have to find that out? Come here, Thomas. Touch my body. You want to you touch the nail-scarred hands? You need to touch the side, Thomas? You need to touch something a little tangible. You need to see that I can cry. You need to see that I can still eat. You need to see, right, that you can hurt me. You, you need to see these things. Well, get close to my body, Thomas. Come on. Come on. Come on. The ministry of my presence is in my body, and when you get close to my body, you're going to see I'm very real. I'm more real than the air you breathe. I'm here right here with you. And you, hey, that's where you learn you're not an orphan any longer. You know where orphan, orphans learn? And are convinced that they're not orphans any longer in a family. 2 Thessalonians 3 6. In the same way of the Lord Jesus Christ, we command you, brothers, to keep away from every brother who's idle and does not live according to the teaching you received from us. What audacity! What audacity! The disciples of Yeshua had to command people. That's abuse of authority. Hmm. Yeah, about as much as commanding you that you need to eat or drink if you're refusing to. Well, I'm just not going to eat for 40 days. That's not faithful, that's stupid. Oh, I'm sorry. I command you to eat like you're going to eat something right now. You're going to day thirty five. You are dead. No more pulse. Wake up. I command you to eat. You're being authoritative. No. I'm preserving your life. Saints, decide for yourself today who loves you correctly. The one who refrains from telling you what you ought to know in order to stay friends. Or the one that tells you what you must know in order that you stay alive? Idle men are people who have settled for less, and that's not you, amen? I said idle people are those who have settled for less than what Yeshua died for. Mm -mm, That's not us. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example. You know why we have a problem saying that? Because there's a responsibility on us to demonstrate image. So we're afraid, so we don't. And then we say it's wrong. Because it actually might cost your life to love somebody. We were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's food without paying for it. On the contrary, we worked day and night laboring and toiling so that we would not be a burden to any of you. I don't know if you've ever seen that before. We did this not because we do not have the right to such help, but in order to make ourselves a model. In order to make ourselves something that you can tangibly see. Something that you could see that looks like self-sacrificing love on your behalf. Maybe you are some of those people in here who can read a book and understand it all that it has to offer you the first time. Saints, that's not what Yeshua said. That's great, but it's not what Yeshua said that you, will, that, that you will actually get what he has to receive. His words must be put into practice and experienced. This is what he was talking about when he said, you search the scripture all day long, but they point to me. Hmm. His word made flesh, isn't he? Isn't he the word made flesh? Right, his body of people are actually you, and you are designed to experience his presence and to reflect and give his presence. His character and his very nature should be seen inside of you. It's okay if I empowered you today. Is that all right? First Thessalonians one four. This is Paul, Silas, and Timothy writing. For we know, brothers loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you, not simply with words, but with power. <laughs> How long has it been since you have received the word and was backed up with power? But our words came to you, not simply with words, but with power, with the Holy Ghost and with deep, deep, deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. How did they know? Because they demonstrated it to them. You became imitators of us and of the Lord in spite of severe suffering. You welcomed the message with joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model for every single believer in Macedonia, Achaia, and in Crumb, Texas. Wow! You think that stopped in the first century? Ha <laughs> no sir. You know why I know? Because you're standing right here right now and you're shining like the sun has all his glory. It says we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord in spite of severe suffering, probably because of it. You welcomed this message with joy Given by who? The Holy Ghost himself. So you became a model, may we say supermodel, to all believers who needed to actually see Yeshua. Saints, I took the last, I took 10 weeks last year to teach most of you these things in detail, almost verbatim. And I did so today today for this reason. If you are those here today who say, I have heard these things before, then you are the first ones who need to return back to what first impacted you. And you will provoke the presence of God to revive you once again because it is His great desire that they see Him through you. If you are not those people, then listen closely to what God said to Moses. Exodus 25:40. Then, Moses, you shall make them the details of the tabernacle where my presence will dwell, according to the pattern shown to you on the mountain that came from heaven. Don't change it. It was good the first time. No need to reinvent the wheel. Moses saw into the heavens and was shown a pattern or model of what must be built on earth. What must be built on earth. What must be built on earth. And what was it? A home for the ministry of his presence. A home where his face would dwell. And when Yeshua gave up the ghost... And ascended to the heavens. And at Pentecost poured out his Holy Spirit. He went from his presence being in one heavenly body. To his life-giving, dead-raising, demon-defying, Holy Ghost presence. Being in multiple bodies called his sons and daughters that were dwelling on the earth. That collectively carry out his ministry of presence everywhere we go. This... Is what Matthew 28 meant when he said go and to make the commission." we will going to close out with this one. I need some demonstrators. Hebrews 8.5. Those who serve at the sanctuary on earth do it at one that is a copy and a shadow of what is in heaven. This is why Moses was warned when he was about to build the tabernacle. See to it that you make everything according to the pattern shown to you on the mountain. Saints, that's a monumental task. That's an impossible task. So Moses needed the presence of God. Dylan, come stand with me as we close. Devin, come stand with me. Hmm. That song. One, no. So let's do this like this. Your Bible says the Father's in heaven, Yeshua's at his right hand. <laughs> Get to be God and Father. <laughs> Yeshua's at his right hand. And as we were worshiping today, I begin to see this image. I remember that Moses was on the mountain, and that he was asking to see God's face. And I remembered that your Bible says that Yeshua is seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven. And then I remember that in the Psalms, David says that you are at my right hand. I will never be shaken. And so I thought, okay, well, then you have God, the father, you have the son. Right. And if I come along and he joins me together with them. He's at my left hand and not my right. But if we have the ministry of presence, we have the ministry of. Of his face. And so when you repent. You return and you turn around. And you face the father. And so I realized in that moment. I was seeing this in worship. That that would mean the only way. That I could could be at his right hand. Was that if. I would take. That right hand. And now he is at my right hand. And David would be right. When he said. He's at my right hand. But then I realized that it went further than that because Yeshua then takes me and he takes the father and he becomes one, right? And then where does that put me? It puts me in the Godhead. It's, It's as though I'm seated together with him at his right hand with the father. That's a good place for me. You know why? You know what it also reminded me it reminded me that in the exodus he was trying to teach them the ministry of his presence why because there was a cloud by day and a fire by night and he went before them and he was behind them and he was trying to teach them that wherever you go if my presence is with you i am there you're never at risk when you're in the father's presence you can sit down You're never, where's my wife at? There she is. You and the Holy Ghost are a majority, amen? Why do you have the ministry of presence? Because you've seen his face. When Moses was on the mountain, it says that he saw the back of God's face. I got to tell you, and I can teach you another day, That when the father turns his face and you see the back of his head, you only see the face of his son. Because on the most darkest days and the full extent of his love, when he stretched out his left arm and he stretched out his right hand and showed you the full extent of his love on a cross, it looked like the father had rejected him. But the truth was he, the father had turned his face from humanity so you could only see the face of his son. Stand with me this morning. This morning, we're going to express our love and the expression of the Most High God in a different way. We're going to feast together. We did it Thursday. Why not now? We're going to thank the Lord, not just for his presence, but for your presence and your presence and your presence. And we're going to thank him that he is sending a family That those might be set into one. Because what is he does? He's a father to the fatherless. He's a father to the orphans. He's a husband to the widows. And he sets the lonely in families. And so, Father, we thank you for giving us kingdom family. We thank you for giving us demonstrations of who you are. We thank you, Lord God, that we do not have to go all the way to the heavens to see your face but we can see it shining through our brother and sisters. We thank you, mighty God, that you've given us ministry. You've given us purpose. You've given us a plan, and you've given us a power to carry it out. Mighty God, we love you, and we pray these things in your mighty name. Come on, saints, what's his name? Jesus. Amen. Amen. Love on somebody. Go get some food.